my veterinarians and veterinary technicians. Before I get started on the podcast, I just want to let you know that life coaching will change your life. If you want to learn more about it, go to my website, juliecapel.com or veterinarylifecoach.com, and there you will find a place to sign up for free coaching. I also have my Wednesday Weekly Words, my blog, and this podcast. So if you're thinking about getting into life coaching, check me out. You can send me an email also at jacapeldvm at gmail.com. Let's get into the podcast. This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 123. Hey friends, welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm thrilled to have a special guest. His name is Tom Seco, and he is the founder and co-owner of Florida Veterinary Associates in Tampa, Florida, and he's also the host of the Smarter Vet podcast. He is a financial advisor, certified exit planner, and he's dedicated to helping, helping veterinarians alleviate financial stress. Did I get all that, Tom? <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, Welcome. Uh, I appreciate that. And just to throw in there, just if anyone is looking, we're advisors, which is okay. Um, uh, Florida Veterinary Advisors, so if you're looking for us, maybe we yes. should get associates too, because it might be helpful. Did I say associates? Yeah, it's okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I either read it wrong or wrote it down wrong. It advisors. Okay. So tell me a little bit about yourself and um, your business and why you do what you do. Well, I, I guess the biggest part of all this, I've been, I've been in the financial advisory business now for, I'd say 10 years, May May of 2011 will be 10 years. Uh, uh, so it's like literally so just it that is time. 10 years. Yeah. Just yeah. now it's your anniversary. It is. It's incredible <laughs> just to think about how quickly time passes. Oh, yeah, it does. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I actually, I started off working in the teacher market. And I worked with uh, kindergarten to uh, 12th grade teachers. And that was something I did for almost three years when I started in the career. And then I shifted because I wanted to have a, a greater impact on the overall well-being of people. And that's when I shifted over to the, the main firm of ours is called West Shore Financial Group. But my business partner and I, CJ Burnett, we started Florida Veterinary Advisors back in 2014 basically to dedicate our lives to help support veterinarians. And it really started off, um, I was in a training class to where uh, they gave us a whole bunch of different professions and they said, hey, these are people we can really make an impact to. And there are some on there, different white collar professionals, different doctors, uh, business owners, and veterinarians is one that stood out the most to me because they're really? like, which one of these? Yeah, they're like, which one could you relate with the most? And I was just like, well, I could probably relate with accountants, but some of them are just, I don't know, some are fun. And then some are just like, I don't know. I just don't, my personality doesn't mesh with them. And then I was looking at like attorneys, they're too technical. And then some <laughs> doctors. Boring. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it was one of those things I just wasn't really excited about. And I was like, what I, I love animals. And my wife always makes pokes fun at me about how obsessed I've become with animals because I've had cats, dogs, fish, birds, like everything that I could think of. I've never had like a 
a big, large animal, but uh, I, I just, I love them so much. And I was like, well, maybe this is an opportunity to connect with veterinarians. And it really was a good conversation starter. And then as we started digging further, we found out that veterinarians were just not getting the support financially that they needed. No, or any training for that matter. Yeah. Well, the training, I mean, it's stepped up a lot. It seems like with the VVMA lately has taken really good strides. Uh, However, it's still, there's still some things that are kind of missing because it's almost like a, a, a abundance of material dumped on your head. And then you're like, how do I swim through this and sort all this out? And uh, it, it was one of those things that we started off kind of small and then in 2017, we became Florida uh, uh, CE providers. And then 2018, we became race providers. Uh, we spoke at our first national conference in 2019. Uh, we became plugged in with the VVMA in 2018. And it just progressively over time. And we talked about creating a podcast ourselves. And then uh, during the whole pandemic in April, we're just like, we, we planned it out in December. We weren't expecting a pandemic, but December of 2019, we're like, we're going to do this now. Right. And then by the time we got the equipment, everything else together, we're like, we're doing this because like, <laughs> we really, we, we really wanted to provide content for people. Yeah. We're like, perfect Hey, timing. perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, here we are, we're actually a team of five of us. Uh, we've got an executive assistant. We've got someone who does full-time marketing for us. And then also someone else who does investment servicing and client servicing, and then CJ and I, we spent a lot of time meeting with people, building out the relationships more. Uh, so we're, we're really growing in our mission. What we want to accomplish as time progresses is to help at least 10% of the veterinary community not have to work for a living for the rest of their lives. So if they at some point want to choose that they can stop working, we want to make sure that they're making the right habits, the right decisions, the right behaviors, so they can be able to, if they want to stop working at 40 or 45 or 50 or 55 it's not retirement anymore. It's more of a, how can I progressively know that my bills and my needs and my wants are all taken care of? And then I can choose to work versus having to work. So like we're dedicated to that and we want to grow out our team, which, you know, 10% of the community is like eight to 9,000 people. <laughs> so I know. You, you never knew there were so many veterinarians out there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lofty. I'm always shocked when I go to a big conference and I'm walking around and I just see the hordes of people. I'm like, all these people are vets. That's crazy. Yeah. But, but there we are were, a lot of us. At the Western Vet Conference, I was pretty impressed too. I've been at the DMX Western Vet. I'm like 12 yeah. to 15,000 people here. Like yeah. insane. It's fun, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. So you chose veterinarians because you liked animals, but you also thought that we had better personalities than accountants or lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you all are I like, like the, that. You're like the humble doctors. What yeah. I've really have found as I've worked with a lot of veterinarians is that, of course, it's like we're all people by nature. We're all we're all humans, and we tend to work together in clusters, and we talk with certain groups of people and tend to make decisions based off of maybe modified decisions based off of other people that are within our sphere of people that we know. And, you know, one thing is I've noticed that veterinarians are not, let's say prideful, but they never want to look like they're not smart and they will tend to try to do a lot of things on their own. And then once they finally find that person who gets introduced into their sphere, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Can you just handle it for me? And I've I've just noticed that it's like, and, and a lot of times veterinarians too, will sit here and be like, I know what, that I don't know this. And they admit it um, compared to like, you know, there's other people I've worked with in the past. They tend to think that they know a lot more than you. And you're just like, 
I do this for a living. Like this is my my career. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's let's put it to the test. And uh, they don't want to hear it. So, but the, the veterinarians, it's it's been very uh, enlightening and refreshing to work with veterinarians because I just it's it's something that I feel like I can build really good strong relationships with people and really help them. Yeah. And do you find that that most of the veterinarians you work with don't have a real strong grasp on the financial end or the business end of the industry? Because I know personally, when I got out of vet school and I wanted to be an owner of a practice, I I didn't really know much at all about the financial end of it. And luckily, I had people in my family and, and people around me that helped me learn. But do you find that when you're working with veterinarians that, you know, we've spent so much time learning veterinary medicine that we don't learn much about personal finance or business finance? I will say the it's it's a really interesting question you bring up here because people like past generations, I will say from a financial standpoint, uh, it's more of like people kind of like people are going through the motions. Something happens and then they make a decision and then something happens and then make a decision. And then at the end of the day, like everything is just an accidental result of multiple different decisions that I'm making. And then my plan is created from that. Uh, and I will say that the students that are coming out these days that are part of the Veterinary Business Management Association, VBMA, I find that a lot more of them are sophisticated, a little bit more sophisticated, and they're asking more questions. And I think that's what what's missing from a lot of veterinarians that are out there is that they're not asking a lot of questions. They just assume what they're being told is right, and then they do it. And like, you know, one topic with debt is a whole other conversation that we can talk a while around. Yeah. Um, there are some people who are in a position where it's going to be tough for them to repay stuff. Uh, but then there are some people who are in a position to do it, but then it's like the seeing things from a bigger picture is where the biggest factor of all of this is. And when people don't ask questions and they just automatically assume what, whatever is being said is absolute truth, that's where you get into trouble. And I will say, you know, talking about different generations of veterinarians, um, most practice owners today, because we do a lot of business business planning as well, uh, especially ones that are looking to sell or bring other veterinarians on for partnerships or looking to try to keep the culture really well in their practice. Uh, what's happening is that we find that a lot of them, they, they have just jumped feet first into a practice because they got tired of working somewhere. Um, they've used their business to fund their lifestyle throughout their career. Uh, they don't really understand the value of what their business is, the cash flow of what the value of their cash flow is to them. And being able to find a good balance between what do I need personally and then what do I need in my business to provide me ability to not have to work forever? So when I want to sell out of this business, can I continue my lifestyle after I get out of it? And I find that maybe nine out of 10 practice owners we talk to, um, most of them just like, they don't even have current profit and loss statements and their taxes are all wonky. And I'm just like, your whole business is going to live or die from that. And right. that's just a starting yeah. point. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah. And then from a, a normal other veterinarians, like I feel like, you know what I was saying a second ago, a lot of people are more reactive than proactive. So it's like, you know, the biggest thing like today, like investing is so commoditized and people come talking to us. So they say, I have an advisor. I've already got goals that I'm doing with my investments. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Why are you investing? What is it going to do for you? How is it going to help you accomplish your goals? And what about everything else? How are you approaching everything else in your financial life? And a lot of times, like even buying life insurance for some, for just one another example, you know, my, my neighbor or uh, her husband passed away. And now all of a sudden, like 
I realized that I've got kids and my spouse that are relying on me and I should go buy some life insurance because it's important that they're cared for. And instead of being proactive in my decision-making and more of making, you know, like seeing what's happening day by day. And then like, you know, a lot of, there's certain decisions we can make today that um, can actually help prevent things in the future that like, you know, certain things like protecting ourselves and everything else, where um, if we can protect ourselves properly, it can help kind of hedge that any potential problems in the future, but then creating certain habits and behaviors. And I just find that, you know, there's this thing, I'm not sure if you've heard of the thing before, Julie, where it's called the 401k only plan. Are you familiar with that? No, I guess not. I know what a 401k is, but I don't know what the only part is. So I'm not going to hold your fire to the feet here, but I'm just curious if you know where 401k came from. Ugh, no, okay. I, I, I've heard, I think, but I don't know. So there's a revenue act, uh, uh, the internal revenue tax Rev, uh, act in 1978 created the 401k. It's uh, IRC 401k. If you ever look it up, it's a, an IRS code. So it's and a government thing. It's a government thing. Government act. Okay. And it started from the shift when um, before, I'm sure you've seen more companies used to provide pensions for people. Yes. Yeah. So those pensions, like you work a 30 year career, you get your gold watch. And then all of a sudden here you are getting your pension. You get a check every month in the, right. in your, in your bank account or in your mailbox. And that's how people retired on yes. the pensions, right? And then, but the problem was it was becoming very expensive for businesses. So they shifted from being funded by the employer to now the employee has to fund their own future. So the shift went in 1978 to now people are now having to contribute on their own. And the problem is, is depending on your lifestyle, the variation of income that you make and all these different factors that are in there, one, it might not even be enough money that you're saving in there to accumulate, to be able to continue your lifestyle when you decide to stop working. But then there are also a lot of restrictions and different things that people are unaware of, like a 10% penalty before 59 and a half, um, limitations on investments that are inside. Fees have become a big thing lately where there's been a reduction in fees over time because it's becoming very, they're trying to be more transparent, which I feel like should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but basically people will put money in their 401k and they think everything's going to be fine. But then they realize, well, now I want to buy a house. <laughs> I want to have kids. Want to get married and they have no cash on hand, so either now they're having to raid their four hundred one k and they have no cash. Really other, bad. Really bad. <laughs> yeah, really and bad. Then, I know that. And and then you at don't the want to raid like, your IRA or your four hundred one k. Right. Well, because like before for the year and a half, you pay ten percent and you pay taxes on it. Mm -hmm. And the yep, thing is, to keep bad. in mind, let's touch on that real quick. Like ten percent is off the total balance you take out, and then you pay taxes on that total balance as well. They don't reduce it by ten percent. And then say, you're going to pay taxes. Like they hit you hard yeah. when you take money out. But then when I go to retire, I have to now wait till I'm 59 and a half or older. The IRS actually, when, if you don't take money from it, when you get in your seventies, they dictate how much you have to pull from your accounts. Yeah. And every dollar you take back out that is not Roth is taxable. It's taxed. <laughs> yeah. So like what happens is people are focusing all their energy on it. It's like, it's been told like, I need to do 401k. I need to do 401k. And it's, it's not a bad thing to do. I do to the match in mine because it's nice to get the match, but then sure. I balance everything else outside of it. And that's where I find like a lot of, you know, coming back to what we were talking about a second ago, a lot of veterinarians that are out there, even if they work for a corporation or different companies, like their plan is to do that. And it's like, that is, it, it's not bad. It's a good starting spot. Yeah. <laughs> but you should be doing a little bit more. So like from going back to the question you asked her about financial um, knowledge, it just, it's, it, it seems like a lot of people want to know 
And I think the biggest part is people are not, they don't want to feel not smart. They don't want to feel judged. And sometimes they don't even know how to start the conversation. Like I had a conversation with someone in her forties and she was like, I've avoided this for the longest time. Cause she was just like, I'm scared of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are afraid of money. Yeah. They're afraid of not having enough and they're afraid of having too much and not knowing what to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's not a easy subject for most people to talk about. Not at all. It's the more money, more problems kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, we on. all wish that we had those problems, right? Everyone thinks, oh, I want all this money. So I have, uh, I can get rid of my student loans or whatever, but, but then you have other things to think about. Well, it's interesting too, that you bring that up because there are studies that have been done of a level of happiness when it comes to incomes. And what's interesting is for those who are listening right now, the, the veterinarian coming out of school, if, especially if you're not in like super rural, like let's say Montana or somewhere, like if you're in like somewhat in the sub, like suburbs or in the city area, you know, you're coming out of school making 95, $100,000 a year. Like it's just, it's very common these days. Right. The national, um, the average that income that most people make from across the United States for a household is about $60,000. So right off the bat, you're already making more money than most households are. But at the same time, the level of happiness, they said, can increase a little bit as you make more money. But usually the cutoff is between seventy-five dollars to $90,000 is like that level of happiness. And like, you know, we're all after, it's not about what money, it's not the amount of money that we make, but it's what money does for us. Is that what we're after? And when we can really truly understand the purpose and the intentions behind it, and we can prioritize the things to make sure we can live our lives and enjoy the moments and experiences, feed ourselves, pay our bills, save for the future. We can feel so much more confident about the decisions we're making. So, you know, you make less or more, um, you know, I find people that just are making more money, they just spend more. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> buy buy more life. expensive toys, right? <laughs> That's it. More houses, more toys, all that yeah. fun stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I'm guessing like, as you're talking about this, that one of the hangups that we all have as young people and then young veterinarians, obviously, but as young people is we feel so poor, right? Especially veterinarians in vet school. I remember Mm -hmm. I had tons of debt. I had a credit card that I used basically to live on, you know, and then you come out of school and and you get this much better paying job than you ever had before, but right. you're kind of in this no man's land of not knowing what to do or how to plan or, you know, if, if you don't have someone in your life that has a grasp on those things, um, it can add so much stress to just starting out. And so tell me how you present this to veterinarians, um, all the things that you're trying to help them do, because you mentioned insurance, you're, you mentioned 401ks and investing, and then getting the lifestyle or being able to spend money when you want to spend. How yep. do you start? Like if you have a brand new vet right out of vet school and they're just like overwhelmed with finances, like where would you recommend that they start to kind of sort this all out or how would you help them do that? I love it. That's such a great point you bring up here because it's really simple, actually. And I think our, our society does a really good job of confusing us and making us, um, there's that whole phrase called FOMO. Yeah. You're missing out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I get it all the time. Um, I have to pull myself back constantly because I'm like, does it really matter? Is it bringing me purpose in my life or not? Right. And I think the biggest struggle that a lot of students make when they get out of school is they don't realistically sit down and understand like, 
hey, I'm going to make this much money. What does that mean to me on a month to month basis? And how does that help support me in my efforts that I'm trying to do? So like, you know, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that's brought up these days is paying off student loans. I want to pay off student loans. And the, the challenge is though, is a lot of times people are not taking a realistic look of like, okay, how much is it going to really require from me to repay these loans? And like, there are some really great resources out there, like the Veterinary Information Network, VIN has a simulator you can plug stuff into. I think it's even simpler than that. You can literally just take your, you take your loans and plug in the interest rate and you can be able to plug it in a calculator and it'll tell you how much you got to pay per month to pay them off in a time period. But of yeah. course, if you're trying to figure out like a repayment forgiveness program, like the repayee or the payee or the income-based, um, of course, that's such a great tool to use. But the thing is like, if I want to pay off my loans in 25 years or 20 years, 15 years, five years, how much cash flow is required from me of my income to do that? And is it possible? And I think the biggest thing is with all you your can, bills, right? Yeah. Keeping in mind that you have to pay bills. <laughs> you do have to pay bills. Yeah. And I and think, I think we forget that sometimes that you have to live. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like for anyone who's listening to this, that is a student, what I would even say to you, and we'll get back to what I said in a second is that while you're in school, only take what you need. Like I know Anytime. it might feel in, yeah, it might feel enticing yeah. to be like, they're giving me all this money and I can use it for other stuff. It's a huge you, mistake, isn't it? You're going to have this massive mountain of debt lingering over you for a long time and it's going to require you to repay it or you're going to have to wait on some governmental assistance at some point. Right. And I sure do hope it happens. Well, yeah, However, you can't always trust this government, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Things I mean, change. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, every time there's uh, a change of leadership, it's always an interesting environment that's created. Yeah. So you really can't trust that in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm, those yeah. programs I know work and are good on some level, but um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. When you're in vet school, don't spend like you're like you have an unlimited funds just because they keep throwing those loans at you. Yeah. Well, and one thing is I wouldn't take loans to repay your loans through vet school. Cause that's just silly. Like take what you need and live and do what you need to do and just understand like what's going to be required to you at the end when it comes to when you have to start repaying them, what is it going to look like to you? And this actually comes to people like, I don't believe in what they call budgets. Uh, I, it's usually just a play on words here to a certain degree, but budgets, I feel like the first thing I hear is I feel like you're going to put me in like a, a, a straining jacket and you're going to hold me back. And say, <laughs> so you must be a free spirit like me. You don't want, you don't want to be constrained in details and, yeah, well, that's what I, I think of when I think of budget. Oh, is you're going to tell me what to do? It's almost like diet, you know, that word. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a recovering analytic. So okay. um, I am very, You're very, okay with that? <laughs> yeah. So well, it's like budgeting. I just don't like being told like, you know, there's one thing that's very popular. It's the envelope system. I'm sure yeah. if you aren't familiar with it, who was listening, like that's something really neat you can do. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically, you're saying, I'm only going to spend X amount of dollars going to the grocery store or X amount of dollars going out to eat. And right. if you're bad with money and you feel bad with money, cause you just, it seems to burn holes in your pocket. It might be a good route to start because you need to create a habit and a behavior. However, I like the, the changing the, the, the words here and calling it a spending plan. Yeah. And if you actually do want to, get a tracker or something, go to tracker.flvetadvisors.com. You can actually go download a cash flow tracker we have. There's a tutorial and everything that comes with it. But it's really designed to understand, okay, how am I going to prioritize my spending in a way to what's going to bring meaning to my life? So let's say that I go out to eat and I've allocated $200 to go to restaurants during the month. 
But at the same time, I've allocated, I don't know, I have experiences in doing other stuff, $200. And I've hit my restaurant budget by the middle of the month. What you can do with a spending plan is you can review through what you've allocated in different spots and shift money to the different categories that actually bring you meaning. So like, instead of saying I'm cut off, you have the mentality of, hey, I can use money from other categories. And the thing is, it's like, it seems like, well, it's kind of the same thing, but it's really not because if you're thinking more in a spending plan, you're being a little bit more dynamic in how you're spending your money. But if you are really bad with your spending, a budget is the best place to start. So if you don't have some kind of understanding of what your spending is going to be and how you're planning to work throughout that, that's super important to start there, being a student getting out. And I wouldn't wait till you know, you're six, 12 months into working to start doing that because I promise you, your life is not going to get easier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have a lot less time to spend making that uh, spending plan and figuring all that out. Yeah. I mean, I personally have been doing a spending plan for eight years. I was just updating mine this morning. uh, And I just, I I enjoy seeing where my money is coming and going and then I can be able to manage it effectively. So I'm like getting a little crazy in this area. I got to be careful. Uh, but it also just creates a whole different sense of, let's say, um, um, what's, what's the word here that I'm looking at? Um, you're, you're basically staying true to yourself and it's escaping me. I'm sure I'll think of the word in a second. Uh, <laughs> but it, if you can actually have accountability, there it is. You're yeah, keeping yourself accountable. Yeah. Uh, so like as you can keep yourself accountable, but then the biggest thing is like even being on debt here real fast is that personally, and this might need a lot more conversation than what we're going to edit, allocate to this right now. So please keep this in mind. Uh, and we do have episodes. <laughs> well, we about can do debt. this again. So yeah. And, <laughs> and we you have, have your episodes. podcast. I'm sure that goes into detail, right? Yeah. And some of them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but with the debt conversation, like me personally, the way I believe it is if I had the choice of saving or paying off debt, I would save all day long. That'd be the first place I'd start. Mm-hmm. I would find a reasonable amount that like I can at least keep my debt current. And then I get my spending under control of understanding what money is coming in, what money is going out. And then at the end of the day, if I decided to pay the minimums on my loan, there's nothing stopping me after six months, 12 months, whatever the case is, and taking a lump sum and paying it towards my debt. Maybe you paid a little bit interest during that time period. However, what happens is you keep control. You keep being flexible because even if you have no cash and you've been dumping in all your debt and then your life changes and you need money, where do you go? You yeah. go into more debt. So, um, at the end of the day too, it's like, if you want to get married, you want kids, you want to do all these different things in your life. It's all about balance. And the last thing I can always say about this is that if, if you can be true to yourself and say, Hey, I want to repay my debt off in five years or 10 years. And can you tell me with absolute certainty that your life in 10 years from now is going to be identical to the way it is today? That you're well, going to be, able you know, to- the answer to that is no, it is. <laughs> We don't even know what our life is going to look like tomorrow, <laughs> right? We learned that during the pandemic. It changes yeah. on a dime. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, if you can tell me that thing, go with your plan. But if not, you need one that can, a good plan has a plan when nothing goes according to plan. So you have and a backup, a backup plan. 100%. And when I hear you talking about budgeting and spending plans, what I think about is just awareness of Mm -hmm. your spending. Because I, before I was well aware of the way I handle money, I'm such a free spirit that I I will spend way more than I realize before I realize it Mm. if I don't have a plan. So when you're talking about financial plans, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really 
good way to keep from overspending because that's how most of us get into trouble. It is. I Even mean, I when running that. a business, you know, I well, ran a business for years and if you don't pay attention to what you're spending and the bills come in at the end of the month, you have a, Oh crap moment, you know, mm-hmm. well, you, it's, it's you spent something valid you, you share there with the, if you're not aware of it, that's a, a, a big, big starting spot. I always say like, even if you want to pay more towards your debt, you, you have to know where you're starting. Um, and if you don't know where you're starting and you can't get clarity, because like, I feel like a lot of things that create stress in our lives is it's one, it's the uncertainty because we're either worried about the past concerned with what's going to happen in the future. And we don't know how we're going to take the steps to go to where we want to go. And we're just kind of like throwing stuff and doing things and just hopefully it all works out at the end of the day. And, you know, the, the one thing is like with veterinary medicine, imagine if you were to go to school um, and they didn't really teach you how to care for animals and everything else. And they just told you all the, you know, this is veterinary hospitals and here's some materials and go You'll look at this. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. <laughs> and then it's going to create a lot of stress because you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to go and do with this. And that's like, you know, how most people are approaching their finances. They're just kind of like, this is kind of going at it. So like, if you can sit down and just take a moment to when I would say educate yourself, um, and that's something I say so much to even students. I'm like, you should like, even your first year, you should be like asking questions, like, like, like a crazy person, like just researching, put 10 minutes on your calendar to learn about like, what is the difference between a 15 year and a 30 year mortgage? Like just spend time learning. Um, because right off the bat, when you go to start the conversation with people, you're going to feel a little bit more informed and you're not going to feel as scared about what you're doing because you at least can talk the talk a little bit. You know yeah. What, you and know I what, think, I think that's what I find um, fascinating and valuable about what you're doing is because you're trying to educate people to understand the things that they're actually doing with their money. Because Absolutely. so many of us don't get it. Like we just, we know there's taxes and we know that we can save and we know that we know how to spend. That's easy. But to actually create a really solid awareness about what actually number one needs to be done and number two, what can be done with money, mm-hmm. um, I think it is super valuable. Well, and there's that, this thing, you don't know ahead. what you don't know. And sometimes it takes that, that outside person to sit down and be able to like show you things and you just got to keep an open mind and just be willing to, to learn some things. And, you know, from the end of like, we do have what we call the four C's we've created in our business. Yeah. We tell are me about ulti- that. The four we C's. want to like provide clarity. Clarity. So veterinarians can have control. They can experience confidence. And then at the end of the day, have contentment in their finances. So we, everything we design is designed to educate veterinarians so they can understand why they're so like, it's amazing when I sit down with people too. And I'm like, so why are we together today? <laughs> and the first thing they start asking about is, well, my debt. And I'm like, okay, why is that important to you? What's that going to help you accomplish? You know, what are some of the things that you feel like for you to have success in your life? Like, what are things that you should be working at to be able to feel like you're at least making some progress or have accomplished some things in your life? And it's amazing how many times I sit down with people and uh, they really don't have much to say. And it's like, we've gotten so programmed in a certain way where it's like, we think we need to do things in a, per- a specific manner. Like even today, there's these like whole cryptocurrencies. Like I can't even deal in that world because I'm regulated, everything else. But it's like people jump on these trends and then realize like, you know, if you, one, just a, a quick plug here. If you are going to do any of that stuff, just take in mind of saying, okay, how much money am I willing to take to casino 
and blow. Mm -hmm. It's a gamble, right? (laughs) There's no value to them. That's the biggest thing of it. Um, But if you're really trying to build a robust plan, and like a lot of times people start coming to us about investing and they start asking about returns. And then I ask them, I'm like, why does that matter? Like, what what is important about that to you? How is it going to help you get to it? And then when you start educating them a little bit more about okay, how does it all work? What are the different investment philosophies? How do returns really work? What, what could I really expect? People start having a completely mind shift <laughs> about what, but people always tend to focus in one direction. And by the time you know it, it's like, once you make so many decisions, and I, this is something I preach so much, you can't get back time. So like, if you're trying to get to a part where you don't have to work forever and you want to be able to have more freedom in your life, you know, the time is now. And you should really start getting focused on the things that you need to be doing. Otherwise, you're going to be like someone, um, I, I will say from a, f- a planning standpoint, you know, a lot of people are having to step into retirement or that not having to work and having to reduce their lifestyle. And they're okay with that because people have programmed in their mind to say it is expected. That's what I can expect. In it's retirement. just so sad, right? It is. Yeah. So like, why, sad. why would, why would you want every day to be a Saturday and you want to have less money to spend? Right. You might as well just keep working, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why a lot of people do. Like, especially when you're a business yeah. owner too, it's like my business makes so much money for me. If I have to cut my income down in half. Like, why would I do that? I'll just keep yeah. my business. Well, I think uh, there's, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think veterinarians have been programmed and, and I've been fighting it my whole life. We've been programmed to think that if we go to school to be veterinarians, that we're not going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't be millionaires. We can't, we can't make good money. We can't live a great lifestyle. We can't have elaborate vacations. Like that's how we go into this profession because it, there's a different level of income than if you were to be a human medicine doctor or, you know, other professions that we consider high earning. And so we're already programmed to think we're supposed to be poor. And I, when I'm coaching veterinarians, I always challenge that thinking. It's like, who says that we have to be poor and who says that we have to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt hanging over our head forever. You know, like we think that's normal. Mm -hmm. And if you have a plan to get rid of that debt, or you have a plan to incorporate that into your finances, then that's fine. But I think that it's the mentality that we have that we can't make money. And I think we have to be, keep pushing that. Like I, as a business owner, I was always raising my prices and like pushing the limit of that. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's a mindset and I like that you're trying to help us get out of that. Like you can really live a great life and make a lot of money and still have this great career as a vet. Well, it's, what's interesting that the, the thought that you put to that too, there's this thing, what we call human life value and human life value is, you know, sometimes people will be like, well, what do you mean by that? Like there really is no value, but when it comes to your earnings, let's say that I were to project someone that's making even a hundred thousand dollars out of school and they're going to work a 30 year career and get pay increases every single, every single year. Uh, let's say they're three or 4% you're going to be making anywhere between four to $6 million over the time of your career. And you so don't like want to already, spend it on Starbucks. Yeah. Well, it's like if you have $200,000 <laughs> of student loans and you're going to make $4 million, that looks like nothing. That's a good trade-off, right? Yeah. 
And it's like, imagine if you get married and then your spouse like is providing income at the same time. Like it's, it gets a part where it's like the the biggest stressor of all of it too, is just like, I have to pay it and it's taking away from my lifestyle. It's taking away from my ability to do things. And like, it's, I will say it is a, it's a very nasty mindset that we can get into. Like I I will say uh, it's, it's something that I've even had myself at some point or another where I, I would sit here and I would look at how much money I'm making and the things. And it's not even just it's not even just a matter of how much we earn, but it's like, like I said a while ago, it's like, what, what does it do for us? And is providing us meaning. Is it providing us purpose on our lives? And like what you said, Starbucks, uh, <laughs> it's very easy to go, you know, buy a, a venti latte double pump with all the sugar and all this other stuff for $7 compared to thinking about like, you know, if you have a spending plan and it's part of your spending plan and you're like already built it in there, then fine. But uh, you know, there, there are, you know, to put in here real quick, because I think this would be helpful for people who are listening. We actually go by five steps that we walk through with people. And the first one we always talk on is in order for you to make good decisions is that you should get organized. So if you don't know what you have from everything in protection, from getting sued, sick, injured, passing away, auto insurance, homeowners, renters, all of these different things, got to understand what you have. Two is understanding cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out. What are you saving? What are you spending on protection costs, going to taxes, debt, um, understanding what your debt profile is. And then at the same time, understanding your assets. Like, what do you have in assets between liquid money versus illiquid money? Like we were talking about earlier, 401ks to, you know, money that's being wrapped up in different vehicles and houses and businesses. So you get organized first. So then you can see a 30,000 foot view. It's like looking out the window of an airplane. And then you can start honing in. And the way that we follow is there's actually a few steps we go through. The first one is talking about get fully protected. So if I were to take a wrong turn at a red light today and I'm getting sued for $3 million, what's that going to do to my financial plan today and in the future if it actually does come to fruition where I have to pay $3 million? Like, what, what is that going to look like? Yeah. Uh, if I become sick or injured, you know, disability insurance is a big discussion topic with people. But then it's knowing short-term versus long-term versus if you do buy long-term, is it a good policy for you? Or did you just buy off a price? Um, is it going to pay you under the most circumstances? I know it's something you should probably get familiar with. Um, but then as protection gets boiled down, you can also understand where's your cash flow going. So how are you separating your day-to-day life from what's supposed to happen in the future? So sometimes we're robbing our future selves to try to enjoy today. And being able to find a good balance and so keeping someone to keep you on path. And I think that's the biggest thing actually to hit in real fast, like being an advisor. It's not about me trying to earn you investment returns because investment returns today are like a commodity. Um, back in 2020, you literally, once the market dropped, you could pretty much put your money in anything and would have earned a good return as it came right. back up. But when it comes to someone that will keep you consistent in keeping your behaviors in check as you're going throughout your financial lives and as our emotions take over, that's what we help with. So like, as you're sitting here wanting to like, you know, we, we help people create a whole different savings account for their future plan. And we get clients that reach out to us and they're like, okay, I want to talk to you about this. Cause there's like another level of accountability, like I'm coming back accountability, <laughs> but then cash flow, we want to make sure we talk about, you know, the, the third type part, part of it is making sure that we have enough, uh, you know, we're saving it a very healthy habit. So where we're basically, we're, we're a world-class saver is what we call ourselves. We're putting aside 20% of our income. That's where good. does that go? 
that's all again, that's for another conversation. Uh, but that is, we've got to get in the habit of saving. So when I said savings versus paying off debt, but then like getting in a realistic mindset of what can I do with my debt? So being able to pull together in the picture, making sure you have the next step is being able to have adequate savings on hand. That's liquid for you for emergencies, for things you want to do, putting a pool in your backyard, in your house, whatever the stuff you want to life events, kids being life born. Events. Absolutely. Getting, yeah. Yeah. My daughter, their job for a short period of time, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my cost of living has gone up a lot this year because my daughter and moving and everything else. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I've already prepared for a lot of that. I'm ready for it. And then the last thing is making sure you have a balanced plan of where you're putting your money. So it's between liquid and versus illiquid, but from taxes, from risk, like what is that? plan looking like for you over time and how is it going to help you accomplish what you want to do? So if you want to start a business, you want to retire sooner, you want to do other things, you want to travel the world, whatever it is, uh, how is it helping support you? So we go through those steps of protect world-class saver, making sure you have emergency fund, being realistic about paying off your debt, and then making sure you have a balanced approach to how you're saving money, investing it, risk, taxes, all of that other stuff. Uh, So like if you can focus on that mentality, uh, it'll help. And, and we go in that order in particular, because it's like, if you try to prioritize things in a way of like, let's say your debt first, but then you have no cash on hand and then life happens or you're not saving. And then five years go by and we have no cash either. Still, um, you just our have lives are gonna, off debt, but you have no money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's yeah. like an example, I don't know if people are going to get this, but hopefully they do. You know, if you look at person a person, a has, let's say a hundred thousand dollars of cash. And then they have $100,000 of debt. So they theoretically could take their $100,000 of cash and pay off their debt. Well, person B, well, they actually did that. They have $0 of cash and they have $0 of debt. So I'm actually going to throw it out here. I'm curious if you know the answer to this, Julie. Which one do you think has more control? Well, my answer would be the person with the cash, but that's Boom. just because I like cash. <laughs> well, it's it's true. But, but it's like, true, that- yeah, because if an emergency happened and you have zero cash, you're in trouble, right? Well, so let's say getting you lose that your- all balanced. You lose your job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I still got that, a mortgage payment happen. I got to pay. Yeah. So now I'm going yeah. in debt again. Like, yeah. Well, I and I think that. I think when you say that, it makes me think of you. You kind of have to have a balanced approach. Boom. And, and the awareness, like you said, the plan of where, you know, how much money you have coming in, because I think some of us, um, when we're young and we're getting out of vet school, we've gone from making zero money to making a fair amount of money. Like you said, a hundred thousand dollars when you get out of school and then you think it's just time to spend, right? If you can Mm -hmm. just put those student loans on deferral for 20 years and you're just like, it's, it's free reign spending. Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later or 30 years later, you wake up and you've got nothing. And that's, that's the thing that I think happens to so many people. They just don't think it all through. And I think that's why what you're doing is so important that they have, you kind of force them to think about all of the things. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. we got to, if we all make decisions like we're in boxes <laughs> and we're hoping that the everything comes out the way we want it to, um, likely the results that you're anticipating aren't going to happen the way that you want them to, unless you're seeing things from a bigger picture. Uh, because life, I will tell you, whatever seems good right now, embrace it, enjoy it, do as much as you can at this moment, because life does change and things do happen. And the more planned and prepared you are for that, the better you're not going to have to be that person that says, oh, if only I had done this, 
Yeah. Only if I had done this, my plan would have been different. So, yeah. Well, in life coaching, we always say that life is 50, 50. Mm. So it's like, there's going to be lots of good stuff that happens and lots of bad stuff. And that's just how life is, right? You're going to have good days and bad days, good jobs and bad jobs. You're going to, you're going to make money and you're going to lose money. You know, those things kind of things are going to happen. And so if if you do have a, a solid basis financially, and like you said, with your insurance and all of that, then you're just going to have an easier time dealing with that, the negative 50% that comes along. Mm-hmm. And then probably your positive is going to be better, right? Because you'll have more money to spend on it. Yeah. Well, it, something just to kind of, we could probably put towards the end of all this too, is like, you know, you are, if you're listening to this, like you, you are worth it and you do have a lot more potential than you think you do. Uh you know, there's this whole thing of scarcity versus abundance mindset. And, you know, the, the thing in, in our lives, the more that you put out there of what you want compared to thinking about what you don't have, it will happen the way you, the way exactly the way you envision it. So the more that you put out that, that, that negative aspect of things, of course, you're going to see more negative things happening to you, Absolutely. but you are, have a lot of potential in your life. And, you know, the more that you can see things of like, you know, I have debt. Well, think about why you have the debt and what it did for you. How did it help get you where you are? It's an investment, all- right? Investment in your future is basically the way we mm-hmm. need to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, it's all it's all a paradigm shift. And yeah. the more that we can sh- shift our mindset, the better results we can all have. And the better it's going to be for all of us at the end of the day. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's what I try to teach people every day. It's It's all in the way you look at it and... how you wrap your mind around it. Right. All right. Well, is there anything else that we should throw in at the last minute that we forgot to talk about? We can always do this again. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that I can discuss on this. And uh, I will say, if you are looking to just, if if you're intrigued by anything we're saying, uh, definitely go check out our podcast, Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. Yes. Uh, Go to our website. If you want to go learn more about our steps and the things that we bring people through, we have a uh, the five foundational steps of financial uh, balance that we've created that's absolutely complimentary to you. All you got to do is go to series.flvetadvisors.com uh, and it'll give you a chance to just educate yourself, give, create a little bit more awareness as we talked about earlier, give you some questions to start asking. And if you decide to want to talk to us or don't, that's entirely up to you, but at least hopefully some of the stuff we're providing for you can help just empower your life and make you feel more confident in the direction that you're going. So there's, there's all those great resources. Go go take a look at them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know there's a lot of things on your website that are really interesting and informative. And so I encourage people and, and like I always say, if you're struggling and you need someone to talk to, you can go to my website and uh, sign up for free coaching. And um, if you have any financial issues, then go talk to Tom and his partner, CJ, because they really have um, spent a lot of time working with our profession to bring us the tools that we need to to have to deal with financial things. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking to you and hopefully we'll come up with a plan and do this again. I bring some more detail. Bring some more details. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I think this yeah. Was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye.
podcast is for informational purposes only. The Veterinary Life Coach is not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, accounting, or mortgage advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Tom is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Dom's California Insurance License Number 0K80141. 2021 121 617 expires May 2023.